Louisiana is so much and it's so rich, I couldn't see living anywhere else. Deep in the Honey Island Swamp, there's something magical that I just love. There's no place I'd rather be outside of the kitchen. What sets our cooking apart is the soul. This is the birthplace of jazz, as it is the birthplace of this incredible Creole cuisine. From your po'boys, to your jambalaya, to your gumbos. The African influence, some of the French, and a little bit of the Spanish. By the way that the wind's blowing, I can tell what fish we'll have on the menu on a certain day. Like the jazz artist does his music, I do with food. You have breakfast, you talk about lunch. At lunch, you talk about dinner. All the people that have passed this beautiful style of cooking onto me, it's up to me to pass it on to somebody else. I'm Chef John Besh, and this is my Louisiana. And this is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 126 of the Catholic Foodie, Chef John Besh and My Family Table. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking about Chef John Besh and his most recent cookbook, My Family Table. I'm going to admit this right up front. You know, I love this cookbook, and I think you're going to love it, too. It's unlike so many of the cookbooks on the market. You see, this one was written so that it could actually be used by real people in a real kitchen. <laughs> people who want to cook real food for those they love. Of course, it helps that Bash is a Louisiana boy, too, and that he's Catholic, and a dad and husband, and just an all-around great guy. You know, this is going to be a fun episode. Sarah Reinhardt joins us, too, right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. As we start this episode, I want to thank our sponsor, DivineOffice.org. And, uh, you know, I have some news to share with you about DivineOffice.org. You know, I'm just amazed at all the great work that the folks over at Divine Office Catholic Ministry are doing the Divine Office app, of course, is amazing. The Bible app, which they released just a few months back, now includes a New American Bible in its lineup. And now, now, they have done it again. <laughs> Another fantastic app. This time, it is the Catholic Encyclopedia, conveniently called the Catholicpedia. It's available in the iTunes store for both the iPhone and the iPad. And uh, you may be asking yourself, well, is, what does this app do? The Catholicpedia, what does it do? Well, let me, let me read this to you. This is the summary here from iTunes. It says that the Catholicpedia app makes the Catholic Encyclopedia available on iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch through an easy-to-use interface. Over 11,000 articles have been categorized by letter and related by tags. Uh, here are some of the, the feature highlights. Uh, a powerful multi-keyword search engine which, by the way, if you actually have the, the app with you, you just scroll down on the screen and the search bar appears. Very um, iOS, um, it's just a typical iOS function, right? It's wonderful, that search. Uh, also, you have sortable favorites, sharing via email or Facebook, and also air print support. So fantastic. That's just fantastic. The easy-to-use and great features make Catholicpedia the most convenient way to access and carry in your pocket the full 15 volumes of the original Catholic Encyclopedia, first published in 1917. Uh, that's just amazing. <laughs> uh, from the Divine Office Catholic Ministry, developers of the About.com's 2011 Best iPhone, iPad, and iPad, 
iPod and iPad Catholic apps, this beautifully created, simple to use Catholicpedia app is designed to present its users with the full body of Catholic teaching. The encyclopedia contains not only precise statements of what the church has defined, but also an impartial record of different views of acknowledged authority on all disputed questions. The Catholic Encyclopedia proposes to give its readers full and authoritative information of the entire cycle of Catholic interests, action, and doctrine, what the Catholic Church teaches and has taught, what she has done and is still doing for the greatest welfare of mankind, her methods, past and present, her struggles, her triumphs, and the achievements of her members, not only her own immediate benefit, but for the broadening and deepening of all true science, literature, and art, all come within the scope of the Catholic Encyclopedia. This is amazing, folks. There's so much that I could say about it, but what I'm going to say right now is you just need to go over to divineoffice.org, and uh, over there, they've got, of course, information on your your different uh, the, all the different apps that they have. Uh, the 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 divine office dot uh, the divine office app, also the Bible app, uh, the Catholicpedia, the new Catholicpedia app. But there are so many others here too. Go take a look. Divineoffice.org. and I want to thank again divineoffice.org for sponsoring the Catholic Foodie, and for this most recent app. Uh, the Catholicpedia. I will have a blog post coming out soon, a review of this app, and you'll be able to find that over at catholicfoodie.com. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And uh, thank you again, a huge thank you to divineoffice.org. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, I have even more news for you today, good news for you today. The Catholic Foodie is proud to be an affiliate of SQPN, the StarQuest production network over at sqpn.com and recently four new podcasts have joined the S- have joined sqpn as affiliates uh, the catholic laboratory produced by ian maxfield the i pilgrim podcast produced by deborah shaben also co-hosted by sandy garaizar and steve nelson just a catholic dad produced by sean mccarney and catholic vitamins produced by deacon tom and d fox so congratulations to these new affiliates. Uh, you can find links to their podcast in the show notes for this episode over at catholicfoodie.com. And speaking of SQPN, they are currently in the middle of their annual giving campaign. You can find out more about it at sqpn.com. I also, though, want to share with you the press release that explained what the giving campaign is all about. Now, this is important. It's very important to support those organizations who are committed to producing quality Catholic content online. And SQPN is ahead of the pack in that department. Here's what the press release had to say. With the beginning of Advent, the StarQuest production network, SQPN, begins its annual giving campaign to raise funds needed to continue its mission of evangelization and education through the use of new media. SQPN is a nonprofit apostolate dedicated to evangelization and formation through new media. SQPN creates engaging, 
multimedia specializing in audio productions known as podcasts, faithful to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church, and its mission responds to the church's call to use the media for religious information, evangelization, and catechesis. Thanks to the generosity of its large online community over the years, SQPN has grown both the sizes of its audiences and the number of shows it produces. As an organization, SQPN makes real contributions to the use of new media in the Catholic Church. Since 2006, SQPN shows have been downloaded more than 11 million times. Last October, SQPN organized its fourth Catholic New Media Conference, bringing together an enthusiastic audience of Catholic commentators for a two-day conference. The CNMC featured presentations by Sean Patrick Lovett of Vatican Radio, Sister Ann Flanagan, Lisa Hindi, Pat Gone, Matt Warner, Jeff Geerling, and Greg Willits. With a consistent and growing number of podcasts in its lineup, SQPN was invited by Apple, Apple Incorporated, to create its own catalog page in the iTunes Store. With positive reviews of its podcast, additional worldwide audiences are introduced to its shows. Also in 2011, SQPN was an, was an invited participant in the first Vatican Bloggers Meeting, held in Rome on May 2nd. Additionally, a new social media strategy gave SQPN a wider online presence on sites such as Twitter, Facebook, and Google+, allowing it to build a stronger online community and to reach out to the secular world in new ways. For many people all around the world, SQPN is a daily source of inspiration, friendship, and encouragement. We can only do this thanks to the generous financial support of our friends and benefactors. Please consider helping SQPN continue its operations and to realize its plans to serve the worldwide community and the church even better. To make a one-time or monthly contribution in support of SQPN's mission of evangelization through the use of new media, please visit sqpn.com donate. Or you could just go to sqpn.com and there's a donate button right there on the right side of the page up at the top. The world is looking for answers, for guidance, for friendship, and community. Your support is very much needed and appreciated. You know, StarQuest refers to the star of Bethlehem that emerged and caught the attention of three magi from foreign cultures. And the magi's quest led to the discovery of the newborn uh, savior. The programs of SQPN tap into popular culture, inviting people to journey together and discover their own encounter with Christ. SQPN is a 501c3, and uh, contributions are tax-deductible as allowed by law. So I, I highly encourage you to go to sqpn.com and to, uh, to support the work that SQPN is doing in any way that you can. Again, it's sqpn.com. You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, Christmas time is almost here, folks. <laughs> 
It's amazing, huh? Time flies. And Christmas is a time for family and friends, for get-togethers, parties, and meals. Oh, and I should mention that Christmas is not just one day. You know, in the church, we call it an octave, eight full days to celebrate the birth of our Savior. But we don't stop there. I mean, eight days is a great start, but it's still just a start, right? Now, we're talking about the birth of our Savior here. So the church, or in the church, we also celebrate the Christmas season, which starts on Christmas Eve and goes to the celebration of the Epiphany to the shepherds and the wise men. Now, the Epiphany is traditionally celebrated on January 6th, but the U.S. bishops are free to move it to the closest Sunday, and this year it will be celebrated on uh, Sunday, January 8th in the United States. Now, as the season of waiting, Advent, draws to a close next week, we start to turn our attention to the immediate preparation of family gatherings. If you're like me, you have several gatherings over a period of a few days. It's fun, it's holy, it's really a blessing, but you know, it can also be stressful. And that's why I am so glad that I've recently discovered my new favorite cookbook, Chef John Besh's My Family Table. <laughs> now, I know, I know, I, I was recently on an Alton Brown kick, one that lasted for a few weeks and inspired not one but two podcast episodes. And of course, you know, Alton Brown still rocks. But this is different. It's local, first of all, but it's also in the family. You see, John Besh is Catholic. He lives not too far from me, just outside of New Orleans. I've met him a few times. I've dined in his restaurants, and I'm, I'm very impressed with his work and with who he is, you know, with what he stands for. I'm not saying that he wears his Catholicism on his sleeve. He, he doesn't. But you can tell that it influences everything that he does. In a word, you could say that Besh is all about family, and his cookbook, My Family Table, is a home cooking manifesto, and I love it. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I love it so much that I've given away several copies as gifts. Yeah, I also love Amazon.com. <laughs> you know, as I was ordering a gift for someone the other day, I noticed this review of my family table, and I thought it was perfect. I want to share it with you. Uh, the, the the gentleman who wrote this, his name is uh, Jesse. His name is Jesse Cornbluth. 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 I believe is how you would pronounce that. This is what Jesse had to say. He says we gave away fifty cookbooks the other week. Now. I see we could also have given away The Joy of Cooking. What? 18 million copies of The Joy of Cooking have been sold since it was published in 1936? Correction. Irma Rombauer, a widow who was uh, was the first to publish it, to self-publish it, in 1931. Uh, There's no more classic cookbook in America. Even restaurants use it. What could possibly replace it? Well, for the America of the 2010s, My Family Table, A Passionate Plea for Home Cooking by John Besh. Besh, for those who have not had dinner in New Orleans recently, is the movie star handsome Louisiana homeboy who has, at a tender age, built a six-restaurant empire, which is actually seven now, seven restaurants. Uh, He was a Marine who kept up uh, with foodie journals as he led troops in the Gulf War. He's still married to his first wife, and he has four kids. Yeah, after Katrina, Besh was everywhere, talking up his city. He produced a terrific cookbook called My New Orleans. Then he started to simplify. And to listen to his wife, never a bad idea, <laughs> who said, yeah, but what about our kids? So at last, a family-friendly 
cookbook, short on cooking time, shorter on preservatives and junk food substitutes, a book for the way we live now. Some chapter titles, Sunday Supper, School Nights, Breakfast with My Boys, Barbecue Wisdom, Fried Chicken, and other classics. I mean, here are 10 reasons to fall in love with this book. The first, number one, the first recipe is risotto, almost anything. The second recipe is creamy, any vegetable soup. Number three, the third recipe is simple meat ragu for any pasta. Number four, the fourth recipe is the perfect frittata. Number five, the fifth recipe is curried anything. Get the idea? (laughs) Simple fare, simply presented as master recipes, 140 in all. Number six, good advice. In a roast chicken recipe, pan drippings are pure gold. Anytime you strain the liquid from the vegetables or from the roasting pan, you'll have equal portions of fat and natural juice. Refrigerate that for a day and the fat will solidify and rise to the top. Remove the chicken fat and save it separately to use for making a roux or sautéing vegetables. The strained juices make a natural sauce for roast chicken or you can add them to a soup for a great hit of flavor. Awesome. Number seven, he's not scared of butter. (laughs) Neither am I. It's awesome. In a recipe for mashed potatoes that serves 10 people, you put an entire pound of butter. That's awesome. Yes. For chicken fricassee, he rejects skinless and boneless birds. I do too. That's Who wants that? Here's a quote. He says, not only is the flavor brought out by browning with the skin on, but the bone is a source of so much of the deep flavor of the fricassee. True, And also, without the bones, you can't do a stock, right? I love my stocks. Number, uh, that was number eight. I didn't say that. That was number eight. Number nine, in an American cookbook, a recipe for pho, the Japanese soup. Can you imagine that? And and in an American cookbook. And then number 10, the final one, the final recipe is for lemon icebox pie. (laughs) Isn't that great? That was a top 10 from Jesse there. Uh, Top 10 reasons to love this cookbook. And, uh, you know, in the, in the acknowledgments, Besh writes, if asked what my last meal would be, I'd reply, any Sunday supper at home cooked with love for people I love. And with this cookbook, what other answer is possible? So thank you very much to Jesse for that, uh, that review of the cookbook. And I tell you what, I'm serious. I cannot praise this cookbook enough. It's phenomenal. I think I mentioned in the uh, intro, this is a cookbook that, that is written for real people cooking in real kitchens. And it's also all about real food, usually, or for the most part, real food prepared for those that you love, for your family. So a fantastic, fantastic thing. Now, you may remember a while back in The Catholic Foodie, I had, uh, I had a guest on the show. He was a chef. He is a chef. At the time, he was in Lafayette. I don't think he's in Lafayette anymore. Manny. You remember that? Manny Agello. Uh, he was a, a chef, and he had a, a, a website, a blog that he had started, and it was really kind of like a, uh, a a clarion call, almost like a battle cry for a return to home cooking, a return to, to the home chef. And, you know, I love Food Network, and I love watching food TV. I love cooking. I love uh, all the trappings that go with it. I just, it, To me, I'm just, that, that's, that's what I like. I love that stuff, right? Uh, but here's the deal. When you have chefs, like whether it's Rachel Ray or um, Alton Brown or 
Bobby Flay or uh, you know any of the thousands of of or hundreds at least of of different famous food chefs, you know, food network kind of stars. Uh, they, they have restaurants. They cook on TV. They do. Here's the deal. I mean, some of these recipes that you find in cookbooks are just simply not meant to be made in a home kitchen. And so it's unusual to find a cookbook like John Besh's where these recipes were made specifically for home chefs, home cooks, to be made in a real kitchen. I love it. Now, I could say, or you could say, that this cookbook, uh, My Family Table, is a another manifesto. It really is. It's kind of like a battle cry. It's a passionate plea for home cooking. And, uh, you know, I love this so much. I wanted to to give you really the, um, the the heart of what it's all about. So I thought I would share with you the the introduction that John Besh himself wrote. Kind of gives you an idea. And I'm going to do that in just a moment. First, I want to bring him on via uh, YouTube. <laughs> Thank God for YouTube. I want to bring him on first and let him share with you a little of his his um, own Louisiana way of saying what he wants to say about this cookbook. Take a listen to this. I'm here with John Besh, and we're here to talk about my family table with 140 inspiring recipes. We've eroded away so much of our culture because we no longer cook. Cook and cooking now seems to be a spectator sport, something that we muse at and we watch while we eat overprocessed foods. It doesn't require all day of cooking. If you give it some thought, and if you give it, if you have the, the right basics to start out with, and uh, we can get you cooking for your family in no time. These days and ages, we are so busy. We're all just pulled to the extremes as far as we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time for ourselves. We don't have enough time for our families. And too often we find ourselves not having enough time just to go in there and cook. What I want to do is just lure you into the kitchen. So get the food any way that you can. Try to be responsible about what you do. And when you get home, let me help you cook it. And that's what this book's all about. If you can devote one day to making a meal, then I can tell you how to take that meal. Let's just say it's the pork roast. Sunday supper, you've got a pork roast, you have all the trimmings. I'll show you how to take that, dice it up and turn it into an impromptu chili with some green, with some roasted green peppers and jalapenos. I'll show you how to take that same pork roast and make a great ragu that you can just toss with an artisan pasta. It's that simple. So all of a sudden you've made one commitment to one good meal a week and you parlayed it into three or four meals throughout the week. So you've cut your intake of overly processed foods in half. If nothing else, I want people to realize that my family table isn't about a chef cooking fancy food at home. It's about a fancy chef who's learned to actually cook at home for his family. Get off the couch, put away the overly processed food and get into the kitchen and don't stop there. Celebrate at the table. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that fantastic? I love it. Now, this is what he had to say in the introduction to the cookbook. It says, uh, passionate plea for home cooking. You know, this may seem strange, uh, a strange case for a chef to make, especially one who owns seven restaurants and lives to cook in every one of them. A guy who's clocked many hours cooking on television, running charity fundraisers, etc. And I do not mean to suggest, of course, that we should stop supporting our wonderful local chefs. Far from it. 
But today, a terrifying wasteland of food options lurks between our kitchen stoves and our favorite restaurants. The packaged foods we use are loaded with salt and sugar and a whole lot of other things that are anything but good for us. Our meat is shot up with hormones and antibiotics. Our produce is sprayed with God knows what. And fast food options are the devil's work. This is not healthy. This is not real. I did not grow up in this kind of world, and I don't want my children to grow up in this way either. Whether we work in a kitchen or an office, we all yearn for a different kind of family food experience. Yet I'm only too well aware of the struggles and trade-offs. I worry that the more cooking becomes entertainment and a spectator sport instead of a family activity, and the more we fetishize celebrity chefs, the awful result is that we discourage folks from even setting foot in their kitchens. More and more, I'm concerned that by glamorizing chefdom, we turn off the very thing we seek to promote, getting people excited about cooking dinner. Living through my own television production dramas and being away from my family, I began to realize that what I must do going forward is to put aside such things as food competitions and focus instead on spreading the message of cooking and eating with family and friends. That's why I'm writing this book. Not long after Hurricane Katrina devastated New Orleans, we noticed that our city had an astronomically high rate of children suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. I worked with a local hospital here on a project that brought those very children together to cook. It was a simple idea to use a communal pot as the catalyst for healing. As I helped these kids chop and brown and stir, I watched barriers fall and the healing begin. Just about all those kids who attended our sessions found true reconciliation by cooking and eating together. It occurred to me that if I can help make a difference by cooking simply and sharing what I love to cook, I can possibly help all help us all use our passions and skills to make our lives better at almost every meal. Our food world today is a cacophony of mass-produced this and instant that, of genetically modified vegetables and prepared, processed, point-and-click meals. Imagine a simple carrot's torturous journey from the ground to our plate, and you'll understand why I'm writing this book. I urge you to set aside manufactured convenience and to cook real food instead. You'll be amazed at what this elemental act does, not only for the people you feed, but for you as well. My New Orleans, my first book, is a worthy tribute to my hometown. In that book, I did my best to ensure that tradition and culture is passed on to future generations. But I know every family needs another, more expedient way to cook. Hence, my family table. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's just a, it's an amazing, amazing cookbook. I'm so excited about it because it talks about getting real people back into the kitchen and cooking real food. And uh, along those lines, I, there's something that, that I've got cooking up too that uh, you will hear more about uh, probably in the coming weeks, but it's, it's all about real food. I mean, you know me. I've talked about this before. Uh, I've had Kelly the Kitchen Cop here on the show, and we've talked about real food. We talked about Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution. We talked about the fact that uh, it is so hard, it is so expensive to eat real food today, which is just insane when you stop and think about it. 
but it's cheap to get processed stuff that's it's 90% chemicals and you know 10% quote unquote food product it's crazy but that's that's the kind of situation we're in Alton Brown phenomenal when it comes to um, promoting real food as well I think in a previous episode maybe episode 123 we talked about uh, eggs and how you know the whole the whole problem with salmonella isn't uh, the chicken or the egg the, the the problem is the way that we mass produce these eggs and and we have these feedlots and 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 whatnot for the chickens and then we transport the eggs from one place to like all over the country and it was, it's that time issue these eggs sitting that that salmonella uh, has a chance to spread to grow and to spread so but a but a, a farm egg I mean goodness we're we're thinking about getting chickens for our yard. <laughs> We want the freshest we can get, you know? Uh, so anyway, real food. And that's what this book is all about, real food. So uh, I encourage you, you can go to catholicfoodie.com to read more about uh, My Family Table. Also, over at catholicfoodie.com, you will find a link to this cookbook over at Amazon. I encourage you, please do, if you go to, if you're interested in looking at the book, if you're interested in maybe getting a copy of this book, uh, which is a, a great gift for any family, I, I encourage you to use uh, my links on my site at catholicfoodie.com. They're affiliate links, which means that uh, it's just a way of supporting the work that I do here at the Catholic Foodie. Um, it doesn't cost you a penny extra. Amazon charges you the same great or offers you the same great price that they offer on a lot of the, the, the most of the products that they have. Uh, but what they do is they throw a few pennies my way for sending you to them. So, over at catholicfoodie.com, you'll find links to, uh, to Amazon and to this cookbook over there, along with some video excerpts uh, of Chef John Besh cooking and talking about this cookbook and also my New Orleans and a few other things that he has done. And I'm, I'm going to put some, uh, some videos over at uh, catholicfoodie.com for you to enjoy. Now, of course, I have to share a recipe with you, and I'm going to share one from this book, one that we have made recently, and it's, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, when you hear it, you'll know it was so good. It was so good. This is uh, a recipe for buttermilk blueberry pancakes. Ha <laughs> ha! Buttermilk blueberry pancakes. There's so much more that I can say, and I'm you know when I talk about this whole this whole uh, idea of home cooking, of uh, a passionate plea for home cooking, of this particular cookbook and this 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 particular chef. You know, there's more that I have to say. There's more. That I'm probably going to have to put into a different episode. I mean, he he has, um, well, I just have to get into it later. <laughs> There's so much that he has done, as far as uh, helping the local economy, as far as helping to uh, promote farmers markets and and local farmers, and establishing the, uh, uh, their own for, farm uh, on the property of one of the restaurants. And I mean, they produce so much of their own food, and they raise their own chickens. I mean, this is a, it's amazing the kind of uh, system they have set up here for real food, to serve real food in these seven different restaurants that uh, John Besh has. But this is the, the buttermilk uh, blueberry pancakes. And this is, uh, <laughs> oh, the picture's incredible. Uh, all right, look, it's totally cool to have lumps in your pancake batter, okay? If you don't, it means you've mixed it up too much and the pancakes will turn out a bit tough as a result. Here are, the, here are the ingredients. Two cups of flour, a third a cup of sugar, one tablespoon of baking powder, a, table, a teaspoon of salt, two eggs beaten, two cups of milk, 
a half a cup of uh, butter, melted, uh, one cup of blueberries, and you get fresh blueberries at like a farmer's market or something, you know, oil for the griddle, and then maple syrup. Uh, we used butter. We didn't use oil. We used butter for the, uh, for the griddle. And then, of course, you've got that stick of butter already in the pancakes. You talk about good. Mm-mm-mm. Preheat the oven to 200 degrees in a large mixing bowl. Stir together the flour, the sugar, the baking powder, the salt. Make a well in the dry ingredients and add the eggs, milk, and melted butter and mix together gently. There will be lumps in the batter, and that's okay. Add half of the blueberries. Lightly oil the surface of the griddle or a large skillet and heat over medium heat. Pour a, a quarter cup of the batter onto the griddle and continue to pour out pancakes, spacing them well. Cook each pancake until bubbles form on the surface. Then turn them over and cook for an additional minute. Keep the pancakes warm on a platter in the oven until you have made the whole batch. Serve the pancakes with maple syrup and top with the remaining blueberries. You want to talk about ridiculously good? <laughs> I mean, simple, quick, easy, but just so delicious. And uh, and what a treat. We actually, we've, we've done that recipe a couple of times. And uh, I haven't been the one to make it. Char has made it, and she's just done a fantastic job. So, uh, check that out. My Family Table by John Besh. Fantastic cookbook. You'll find the link over at catholicfoodie.com. Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ray. And, and this is, is Mary in the, the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> 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 ah, Advent. Can I be honest here? I'm glad it's almost over. Though truthfully, I've only just started liking it. By the time you hear this, or read it, as the case may be, I'll have survived two, yes, two, family Christmases. I don't even know why I say survive. Other people host them. I just have to show up, sometimes bring food, and other times with only the gifts I bring. What is it that makes me dread this time of year so much? Well, I have thought about it long and hard, and now, at the point when Advent is almost finished, I can tell you what I've concluded. That I need to choose and change my attitude. Whatever else, I do love the Christmas season, the one that begins on December 25th. This year, my mother-in-law is going to teach me how to make what she calls coffee cake and which is really some sort of homemade cinnamon bread. It's delicious. This bread is a staple in our Christmas morning diet, and our New Year morning diet, too. We try to wrangle it out of her at other times through the year, but I've decided it's time to learn to make it myself. And this year, for the first time, we have fresh eggs in our refrigerator, so I think that at least some of our Christmas eating will include them. Maybe we'll have them for breakfast along with that coffee cake my mother-in-law will give us on Christmas Eve. It's hard to keep a chip on my shoulder when my children are so sincerely happy about the music and the decorations and everything else. And hey, there's that good food to look forward to. But I find I can still manage a bad attitude. That's why I'm turning to Mary in a special way. She knows my challenges. She sees how I let myself get overwhelmed by silly obligations and how I neglect to notice the blessings right beneath my nose. When I'm in my kitchen grasping my rosary in the early morning quiet, 
I'm going to pray for the peace that the birth of the baby Jesus promises to each of us. I'm going to ask for the grace to accept it. And I wish that for each of you at this special time of year as well. Thank you very much, Sarah Reinhard. Wow, I am amazed at how similar I am to Sarah. <laughs> you know, I could have presented that Mary in the kitchen as my own. Life is so funny sometimes. Yes, Advent is almost over and Christmas is almost here. Yeah, I don't know about you, but me and my family have been blessed this Advent by a little book written by someone you know. That's right, Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> it's called Welcome Baby Jesus, and it has been such a treat. Now, I know Advent's almost over, so if you don't have the book, don't worry. There's always next year. And the good news is that she has a Lent book and an Easter book, too. And you'll find links to those books in the show notes for this episode at catholicfoodie.com. Thank you very much, Sarah, for producing Mary in the Kitchen, each episode of The Catholic Foodie. It is a blessing for me personally, and I know for all those who listen. You can find more of Sarah and her work over at Snoring Scholar. Com. I also want to thank L'Angelus for allowing us to use their Ave Maria in the show. You can find them at CajunRecords.com. And this brings us to the end of the show, folks, and it's almost the end of Advent. <laughs> you know, I'm looking for voice feedback. I want to hear from you. How does food meet faith in your life, especially in the Christmas season? You can call in your voice feedback by dialing 985-635-4974. That's 985-635-4974. You can call that number day or night. Just leave a message, and I'll be able to play that on the show. I look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, you might want to check out The Catholic Foodie on Facebook at facebook.com slash catholicfoodie. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash catholicfoodie. And don't forget to check out The Catholic Foodie website at catholicfoodie.com. Until next time. Merry Christmas and bon appétit.